Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you very much, Rachel. As always, great to uh, sit down and have another conversation. I've got my cup of coffee. I hope that you've got yours. And welcome again to In All Things podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And if this is your first time joining us or you've been with us for uh, a long time now, either way, we're just glad to have you as part of the conversation. Grateful that you, uh, in all of the things that you could be doing today, you've made the priority of this being one of them, uh, whether it's uh, on your way to work or out taking a walk with the earbuds in, um, we're just we're just glad to be a part of the conversation. And we think God is doing some great things through the EPC. And uh, those who are in the EPC probably are sensing and experiencing that. And if you're not, uh, we invite you to listen in over our shoulders and and join us in a gospel conversation such as the one we're going to have today. We're excited uh, about the conversation today. I think it will actually apply not only to the EPC, which is right on the bullseye of of where God is leading us, but I think it will have great application for people well beyond any particular denomination. We're privileged today to have Dave Robinson with us. He's the executive director of Church Movements for Crew. Back in the day, we used to call that Campus Crusade for Christ, but uh, Crew's international headquarters is located right in Orlando, Florida, not too far from the office of the General Assembly of the EPC. But Dave is also a teaching elder in the EPC and and serves in a church in downtown Kansas City, Kansas. So Dave, uh, welcome to uh, In All Things. It's my joy to be with you, for sure. All right. Well, today's uh, episode of In All Things is brought to you by the gospel priority we call multiplication. And if you've ever seen that on our website or any of our literature and you wonder what that means, uh, multiplication is code language for church planning in the EPC. It's, it's how we see the gospel multiplying, and we believe God has called us to exponential growth. And uh, the way to do that and the way to reach particularly unchurched or non-churched peoples in the in the United States and, and around the world is through church plants. And so we emphasize that. We uh, not only recruit, we assess, uh, we also help to train. Then we have uh, cohorts and residencies and mentoring to see people from the beginning of that mobilization process all the way through to their placement and beyond. And uh, one of the new developments in the EPC is the creation of regional coordinators. Uh, We're starting to get areas of the country together, like, for example, the southeast, which might have parts of Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Florida. We're working together collaboratively to pool resources so that we can strategize on the right places and the right people to begin to plant churches uh, where there are those who have not heard the gospel and uh, we hope would uh, have the opportunity to learn and grow and experience the love of our Savior Jesus. So as you think about the EPC, it's our motive for every congregation to be a parent, partner, or patron. I would like to add a prayer partner. 
or patron or parent. Everybody can pray. Even if your church is unable to financially support a church plant, you can certainly pray for our church planters. And I think after our conversation today with Dave Robinson, you're going to be able to do that much more intelligently. So uh, let's dig in a little bit. Dave, you're a teaching pastor, uh, elder in the EPC. You've spent time with crew in Eastern Europe. You're back in the U.S. working with this thing called church movements. Uh, We'll unpack that a little bit more later, but give us uh, a little bit of your story and background so those listening in can get to know you. You bet. So um, I was raised in two cities, Oklahoma City and Minneapolis. Come from a great family, Christian parents, loving, wise, kind, very encouraging. Uh, but I unintentionally walked away from Christ in middle school and high school. My curious spontaneity led me to make some really poor decisions. And at age 17, I was noticing that I was putting things in my life that only postponed my emptiness, the void that Blaise Pascal talked about, couldn't be filled by what I was putting in there. And so I started pursuing the concept of truth and seriously started reading the New Testament for the first time. And I discovered my concept about God was completely wrong. That, As we all know, he wants a relationship, that Jesus is my righteousness, that he loves us beyond measure. He's greater than the world can possibly imagine. I discovered all these things and I've been following him ever since very gladly and, of course, moving toward the abundant life that he died to give me. From age 17 to 21, when I went to the University of Oklahoma, I went from playing the soccer, studying the oil and gas business, and living out my faith in a fraternity, to being burdened for the USSR and the Soviet bloc nations, those who suffered behind their curtain. I also went from that to my heart wanting Jesus to receive the rewards of his suffering on the cross, as the Moravians spoke about. And God orchestrated a lot of things to call me to take the gospel to the frontiers. And after meeting Karen, my wife, and learning of her calling to do the same, God set us on a path to take the gospel where he wasn't known. So the first 29 years of our career, we focused on Eastern Europe and Russia, traveled to Poland, Romania, Yugoslavia, and Hungary from 81 to 89, and then moved to Hungary in 1989. I could say more, but crew was not doing church planting back then. And we saw a revival, uh, a spiritual movement develop on the college campuses. It grew from Budapest to three other cities. And we noticed that the students wouldn't go to church with us. They said, you are our church. And we go, no, we're not. We're not fulfilling all the functions of a church or a campus movement. And no matter what we did, they, they just couldn't go to church with us. And the reason was because, in general, those who suffered under communism that were super faithful to Jesus, when they showed, when a college student showed up that we led to Christ with an earring or a tattoo, they they just didn't treat them very well. And they just weren't ready. The fundamentalism took over and, you know, grace and everything else just kind of flew out the window. So we asked for permission. I was already theologically trained, and I loved the church ever since I was a little boy. I grew up in a Southern Baptist tradition. And so we got permission, long story short, to be the first church planters in Europe for crew. Um, we had a protocol. We always had to say whatever we planted, we had to give it to a denomination within two years. And the first six uh, we gave to we partnered with the Evangelical Free Church, and then we planted two Reformed churches 
and two Baptist churches too. Yeah, but that's a little bit of my story. Okay, so you've you've come back to the states now, been there for a while, and you're helping to lead this thing called church movements, which obviously comes out of your experience you had in, in Eastern Europe. But but talk to us a little bit about what what is a church movement, because uh, I'm not yeah. sure the average person who just you know attends a church. Uh, thinks about church as a movement. Most people think of it as a building or a stationary thing or institutional thing. Uh, and that's, you know, in, in my role as the stated clerk of the EPC, I'm faced all the time with people perceiving the church, uh, dealing with the church as an institution. In a certain sense, it is. But biblically, it's better understood really as a movement, right? Talk to us about how true mobilizes and trains leaders uh, to advance the mission of Jesus. Right. Crew Church Movements is one of the mission-critical components of Campus Crusade for Christ International. We've used the word movement for a long time. Dr. Bill Bike said, you know, movements everywhere, spiritual movements get the gospel out and make disciples everywhere. But church movements is one of four mission-critical components. We have student-led movements, the campus ministry, church movements, global church movements, what it's called globally, digital movements, and and then leader impact movements. We have a Christian embassy in various parts of the world and minister to executives all over the world. What church movements does is we've, we have a three plus one focus. We focus on the lost, the follower of Christ, and the multiplying, mobilizing leader. So. The three audiences are the lost, the follower, and the leader. And the plus one stands for our overarching metric. So let me explain what we do. We help churches connect with those who are far from God, the lost. We have really proven training from practitioners. Practitioners are the only ones who are allowed to be trainers and coaches for us to help launch teams and church planting partners to have an entry strategy to decode their neighborhood, their community, to be effective in evangelism. That's the first audience. The second is we help every follower of Jesus sharing the gospel and making disciples. And we call this person a cojourner, kind of our phrase for an evangelist. We train the follower of Christ to cojourn with people where they live, work, learn, and play. Everybody's on a spiritual journey. God made them that way. God is spirit. They can't help being on that journey. God wants to use us in that journey. He's already at work in that journey. We train people to, in four roles of a co-journer to come alongside them and win them to Christ. The third audience is we partner with pastors, missional leaders, church planters. We call them the mobilizer to increase their capacity and confidence for multiplication, which is the plus one. The overarching metric is to multiply faith communities, churches, discipleship groups. So that's a little bit about church movements. So the idea of movements, Dave, is profoundly biblical, isn't it? I mean, you, you pointed to uh, Bill Bright, and, and a lot of people might not know this and wonder, what's the relationship between crew and the EPC? Well, Bill Bright was a longtime faithful member of First Presbyterian Church Orlando, which is an EPC congregation downtown. And that idea of kind of the EPC's DNA, which was really created to be a movement of outward-facing Great Commission congregations, and Bill's vision of crew 
tapping into these different movements. It, it's it's very much uh, the same kind of DNA. But you guys understand that as uh, being profoundly mm-hmm. biblical. Like the idea of movements comes right out of the scriptures, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. You know, I, I did a, a Bible study and I wrote about it, but it's just like, what is a movement? Because it is a buzzword for many church planting networks today. And people really need to have a, a good understanding of where it comes from. But if you were to study Jesus in motion and throngs of people coming to know him, learning from him, being healed from him, whatever, you could study those passages of scripture and, and draw out principles of what has to be true of a movement. And I'm not going to go into a sermon about it, but Dr. Bright did talk a lot about spiritual movements. Our second president, Steve Douglas, who's in heaven now too, said our overarching phrase under his leadership was movements everywhere so that everybody had the opportunity to know a true follower of Christ that could lead them to Christ. But crew has always been, you know, we don't plant crew anything. We just come alongside networks and denominations to help them plan. But in our statement of faith, there are two tenets that we have. And one is that Jesus is the head of the church, and his body composed of all people living and dead and those who have been joined to him through saving faith. And then the second one is that God admonishes his people to assemble together regularly for worship, for participation in the ordinance, for mutual encouragement, for mission. And we come alongside as an evangelism and disciple-making help, apostolic help in that particular area. So let's, uh, you pointed uh, to three kind of target audiences, Dave. You focused on the the person who doesn't yet know Christ. You focused on the co-journer, I think was the term you used, mm-hmm. the person who's on a spiritual journey and how to help equip them to to share. But then you also talked about these uh, that third one, which is kind of the, the mission mobilizer. Maybe it's the, the church planter in the U.S. or the person kind of on the front line of gospel work globally. And that's really was that third group was really the kind of target audience for your new book, Unwavering Resolve. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I wrote that book for that person, more or less. Apostolic teams, you know, the people who are sent that want to take the gospel to the frontiers. So could you dig down on that a little bit more when someone hears the word apostolic teams? You use the word apostolic missional leadership. What what does that mean? So for me, the apostolic leader is a missionary leader, a church planter, a mission team leader. Uh, Literally, the Greek word means one who is sent and sent by Jesus to break new ground for the kingdom, to advance his mission on the frontiers. These are people that remind the church of the gap, the missional gap between where gospel communities and churches are and where they do not exist. And what we have to do to mobilize the church to mend that gap, they start where Christ is not known. They start church planting movements of evangelism and discipleship. So that's what I mean. It's not the unrepeatable role of the 12, the capital A apostle. And I don't even use the word apostle. I use the word mobilizer. But the biblical word is apostle. It's written about for Titus, Silvanus, Epaphroditus, uh, Barnabas. I mean, it's there. You can see it. I write about that. So let's use it. You know, and there's a, a growing number of conservative people who Donald Dent, Don Payne, John Piper, 
said, we need to bring this back into the church and say, look, this is a vital role that, that, you know, it's not a secondary calling. The church needs apostolic leaders to come alongside and take the gospel where it's not. So that's what I mean. Yeah. So the, the Greek apostolos literally means to send. And we know in John 17 that Jesus understands himself as one who is sent from the Father. And in John 20, when he's directing toward us, he says he's going to send us as he has been sent. So we go, I, I say this frequently, Dave, we go because we've been sent, and just as Jesus was sent. So so we're sent right. into these places to to bring the gospel. These church movements typically multiply more rapidly when it's involving in church planting, which you have that role. But that takes its toll, particularly on those church planners and missionary leaders who are um, you know, living out their calling, but yet stressed in a lot of different ways. So how do you seek to address that leader in this, in your book? And what are the things that would be takeaways for our audience to know, particularly as they think about and pray for uh, those who are called into that kind of service? Yeah. To me, what's one of the hardest things you can do is to go into a new territory and and plant the church, but missional leaders need encouragement to press on and stay focused. They need a, a community, a place they can call home where they can cry and pray and laugh and learn from each other to keep moving the ball forward. Other church leaders, particularly lead pastors, they also need to gain missional hope as they seek to multiply the church amidst a fractured transitory culture and the growing population of the lost. They need each other. And so I write to that end. And what I do in the book is draw on the heart of Jesus and the life of Paul to offer a clear job description for this often misunderstood role of apostolic leader. Unwavering Resolve looks at Paul's life and ministry to identify a job description for the apostolic leader, the ongoing responsibilities they're to pursue. I invite the reader to pretend that Jesus has appointed them to give an interview for who would become later the Apostle Paul. And during the training, Jesus would say, this is what I'm looking for. And he would also give you a job description that you could show the interviewee. Uh, Here's what the job is and what I did over the course of my career. But for the book, um, particularly look at the epistles and the book of Acts, and I wrote down 15 ongoing job responsibilities of a missional leader and broke them into five responsibilities each in three different sections. First, the, the vertical relationship with God, that the matters of the heart, that your heart is a spring from which the ministry direction and team culture and missional fruitfulness are determined, so you got to pay attention to your heart. So there's five ongoing responsibilities there. The second five is, has to do with mission forward, the, the forward motion toward those who do not you know, know Christ. You know, apostolic leaders are pioneers. They take the gospel to missional frontier. So in that section, focus on that role. And then the, the third five have to do with the horizontal connection to your co-laborers, your partners, your network, your team. And so it's about teams and teamwork. There's uh, principles before this that are pastoral in, in general to help a person stay renewed spiritually and refreshed and motivated. It's, you know, I just kind of draw on 
things that I feel like I've learned from other people, other leaders that have gone before me. And, and there's an extensive appendix in the book, too, that guides other people in their walk with God about prayer and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, help you sharpen your witness, evaluate your ministry. That's pretty much the book in a nutshell. Well, I mean, it sounds, Dave, like this would be a book ideal for those, as the Marines would say, at the point of the spear, you know, where the kingdom breaks in, whether it's uh, in a global context or planting churches. But I also got to think any pastor in a local church is going to benefit from, you know, spending some time in this book because. Absolutely. You and I both know, and Barna and others have detailed the data on this, that what is it now we're up to almost 42% of the current pastors in, in service are, are seriously thinking about leaving ministry altogether. It, it's a yeah. stunning rate. And we're looking at the post-COVID, post-Christian America. And I, and I was just struck by, you know, some of the data that is even on your website, the crew website on church movements, 160 million Americans unreached yeah. for the gospel 2,700,000 leaving church every year. Of course, we know from the book that has just come out right. recently on the great de-churching, uh, this whole book with uh, Davis and Graham and Burge, they've chronicled that we are the, the, the greatest spiritual migration in the history of our country. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. for, it's going in the wrong direction. It's 40 million people in the last 25 years have left the church. But the one statistic that really shocked me, Dave, was that there are 360 unreached people groups that you can find representatives of in the United States where there's an opportunity to bring the gospel to them as well. So mobilizing the church to become a movement that reproduces gospel churches, disciples who make disciples as who make disciples, as I like to say, is the job of every pastor. And I think your book really is going to be a gift to helping people dig down deep and hopefully stay the distance. That's the prayer. And, you know, be assured too that I call the subtitles a guidebook, a guide to apostolic leadership, not just leaders, but just the church, the team. But whenever the word of God is shared, we all know this, the Holy Spirit illuminates its meaning to give us understanding. And so the principles and pastoral counsel given throughout the book going to help any person in the church, anybody who's listening to their podcast. But, right. but you're right, it's written for the missional leader and the church leader to help them gain confidence and hope because it is discouraging. What you just shared is burdensome, similar to what probably Nehemiah felt in Nehemiah 1 when he, that one sentence from Hannah and I completely changed his life without a slideshow or a missionary report or a vision trip. One sentence rocked him, and it should rock us, what you just said, and create a prayerful response where we allow God to burden us, but then envision us for what could happen and then take very committed action, plan on making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we need to get you, uh, we need to get you a general assembly, Dave, so you can share some of this with a larger audience and get the word out, because I think what you're doing through church movements at Crew, what you're doing in terms of your new book, Unwavering Resolve, uh, is so on target and in alignment with what the movement is that God is doing in the EPC. So we need to we need to get you to get that word out. So we get you come to General Assembly maybe and share sometime soon. I'd, well, that'd be a great privilege, actually. Yeah. 
Thank you. All right. Well, I might be able to pull a few strings, see if we can make that happen. So where would we, where would people get unwavering resolve and how would they connect with you, Dave? What are, are you on social? Or is there any place you can direct them to your resources? Yeah. So it's co-branded by crew press. So you could go to crewstore.org, C-R-U-Store.org and get the ebook or the, the printed book. It's Kindle friendly and all that if you get the ebook. But you can also go to exponential, exponential.org. They also co-published it and it's under their book section and their their resource. You can there's two places to get it. Exponential.org. And on the exponential site, there's some articles there I think that you've written as well. Yeah. yeah. There are some other things we published with them, but Unwavering Resolve is, is there. Terrific. Well, thank you, Dave. Appreciate your time today. And we hope that God continues to bless the work that you're doing. And I uh, would love to have the chance to do more of that collaboration. Well, well, thank you, Dean. I, I appreciate it. We're excited about the direction that the EPC is headed under your leadership and your great teams and committees. And my prayer is that, you know, as the Lord leads us all forward, that we can see his name glorified the church edified and the lost reached like we've been talking about. So praise the Lord for what he's doing in our denomination and through our kingdom partnership with others. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The book is Unwavering Resolve, a guide for apostolic leadership. Dave Robinson, a teaching elder in the EPC and the executive director of church movements for crew. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us again. And we hope that you'll not only like us on social Uh, Share this on any of those platforms that you utilize and spread the word uh, with your friends, your small group, family members, maybe elders in your church, pastors and staff. This is a conversation that I think will be encouraging to them and, uh, and we need to pass the word. In fact, I would even go so far as to say as a kind gift of October, which uh, has now passed was pastor appreciation month, but Christmas is coming. So uh, if you love your pastor, Uh, you may want to consider gifting them for Christmas Dave's book. Uh, You can go to the crew store or exponential to find that. Well, my friends, that brings uh, to a close our conversation for this time, but we hope that you'll join us again in the future. And I want to remind you in our departure of these good words from God's words, which uh, help frame all of our conversations. He is the image of the invisible God. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You see, he is before all things, my friends, and in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time we gather in this way, I bid uh, on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.